Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, Mike Lander, uh, you're the CEO, owner, and founder of Piscari. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, Josh. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Very kind. And where are you based? Based in London, in the UK. All right, good. And, and how's life in London right now? Ah, pretty good. Apart from the lockdown, I think we're okay. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, great. So, Mike, um, could you give me a quick overview of what Piscari is? Yeah, sure. So uh, what we specialize in is um, we're a negotiation skills training and deal wow. support company. So what we do is I used to be a procurement director. So for oh. your listeners, what that means is I used to buy hundreds of millions of pounds worth of goods and services for big companies. What I do now is I act for sellers to help little guys sell into the big guys by showing them the insights and the secrets of how do big companies buy services from high growth companies because yeah. we're trained negotiators. As a procurement person, I'm a trained negotiator. I can be pretty blunt and I can you know, negotiate pretty tough deals. And I want to help now, and I do help, lots of smaller companies selling to bigger companies yeah. by helping them think about how to negotiate better deals and maintain their profit margins. Well, let's help some good folks right here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I think the first thing is, let's just talk about the opportunity. So I think there are a lot of service providers. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, consultants in this audience, a lot of professional services. And I think their ears just perked up uh, a mighty big degree because <laughs> they'd love to have, you know, to, to add into their portfolio some, some larger potential clients. And yeah. so I, I guess the first place to probably talk about that is, you the opportunity or, or where or how might one connect with more procurement directors? Yeah. So great question, Josh. Uh, and a lot of people think of um, procurement, purchasing uh, as the police. They're the people you don't want to go and see unless you have to. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. We are people too. As I say to all of my clients, we're human beings too. We're just a bit different as human beings and not quite as humorous as some human beings. So what you can do is, let's say you want to go and work with uh, Procter & Gamble, say. So you're a services company in the US, you want to work with P&G, and uh, you want to like uh, get into procurement. So what you do is look on LinkedIn, find out who runs their particular category, as we'd call it. Uh, say it's marketing, say you're a marketing agency, and start to engage with the marketing procurement person, as they're called, in P&G. Comment on their LinkedIn posts. You know, they've made a post on LinkedIn. They've made a comment about something. Make a meaningful comment back. Engage with them. Be relevant. You'll be amazed as to how many procurement people would go, oh, someone's talking to me. That's unusual. And they'll talk back. Yeah. Add value to their lives. As we say, and I know you said as well, you serve your audience. Use procurement as your audience as well. Start to engage mm. with them. Yeah. That's number one. Uh, my, my speculation is that... <laughs> Well, and, and correct me for where I'm wrong here, but my impression is that if you're someone in procurement, 
it, it strikes me as a position where y- you are probably just getting inundated with sales reps all the time. Correct. What, what is the day-to-day like? So um, interesting about kind of what do I do day-to-day? So in my old role, when I was a procurement person, everyone thinks all I do every day is do deals. I bang on the table. I <laughs> beat people up on price. I'm a mean, aggressive, nasty negotiator. That's about probably 25 to 40% of my job. I also do lots of management of internal stakeholders inside my company. Imagine I'm in P&G. Imagine all the different com- all the different people inside I need to talk to because it's their money I'm spending. They're the budget holders. The marketing director's got the budget. I'm just the tool they use to get best value out of that money. So I'm dealing lots with internal stakeholders, having lots of meetings with them. Yeah. I also do something weird called category planning. Mm-hmm. And for your listeners, it is relevant to think about, if I'm the marketing procurement guy and I'm buying marketing services, mm-hmm. I have a plan. That plan stretches over three years. And in that three years, I work out which of those categories do I negotiate with? How am I going to engage with them? Who are the suppliers? What innovations happening in that sector? And here's mm-hmm. the thing. If you want to, if you want to get my attention, yeah. Outside of a deal. So we're not doing a deal. It's outside of a deal cycle. And you're a kind of salesperson. Get my attention by bringing some innovation about what happens in marketing services. How's marketing services, technology, for example, transforming the way big brands are generating ROI from their marketing spend? And I might go, that's interesting. Hadn't seen that before. And you might get my attention to engage a bit more. Yeah. Tell me about how that happens. Tell me about how that works. I can't imagine what the email inbox of a procurement director looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be. Busy. <laughs> yeah, It's pretty busy. <laughs> you, you're just fielding offers and you know, well, yes, it is. You know, I am, you know, supposed to find uh, you know, somebody is, is there, a, is there like a central repository or like, I mean, do, um, larger companies, they'll generally post RFPs. Yeah. So RFPs is a great topic. So very short answer. So if I'm buying something and it's big, then I'll put together an RFP and I'll send it out to my preferred supplier list. So number one, if you're not on my radar, there's no way you're going to get the RFP. Yeah. yeah. So number one, you got to get to know me before you get an RFP. Number two, let's say, Josh, I, I got to know you online, on LinkedIn, know of your company and go, you know what? I'll send it out and you pick it up. The first thing to do is to qualify it. If you've not really engaged with me in a meaningful way and you don't know the marketing director, say it's marketing or IT services director, whoever it is, and I send you this RFP, you could spend hundreds of hours filling in forms, filling out spreadsheets, mm-hmm. sending it in. And what I'm doing is I have two preferred bidders. I've got five on my shortlist. You're on my shortlist. I'm using you as a price benchmarking tool and a services benchmarking tool against the people who I really want to win. Mm. You might get it next time, but on the first round, a lot of effort, but not a lot, an awful lot of return. So qualify oh, RFPs really hard. I have an RFP qualification sheet, which mm. is on my site. So again, you know, um, think hard about, is this the right thing for me to bid for? Because it's right. effort. It certainly can be. And it, it, I mean, just, you know, again, respond, you know, I, 
looked down the path in in businesses past into government contracting. Oh my word! Yes, military (laughs) veteran. There there are some incentives there, but still, it's that's it's absolutely a full time job. Correct. And the government ones. I used to work in government at some scale. Uh, We had a forty million pound contract with government at one point, and. I know about government procurement, same in the US, is because it's public money, there's a very strong what they call governance process behind it, the way that they can procure. So it has to go out to a public list. One of the things we were bidding for, 400 bidders responded to the government for this contract. (laughs) You're just one of 400. And they whittle it down to the preferred vendor. Wow. So yeah, procurement in public sector, very different. What kind of things, um, you know, if you're one of, you know, 100 or 400 uh, that is responding to an RFP, like what are some things that you'd recommend doing to kind of stand out? I mean, it's it's more than just the numbers, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, to stand out from the crowd, remember if I'm, so if you take public sector, what's my biggest concern? No matter what government you are in the world, if you're a civil servant, and you're working for ministers who run the country, the last thing you want is for something to fail on your watch. Mm. So if you're about to run a big program based around some kind of public policy, the way to stand out is to think about risk. How do you de-risk them if they're going to buy your services? Because it could be reputational risk in the newspapers, could be operational risk, service delivery problems, could be financial risk. Mm-hmm. Who are you, uh, you know, have you got people overseas that haven't been vetted? Think about risk and bring that front and center. Innovation, yes, but risk. Governments don't buy innovative, you know, bleeding edge services from companies that they've never heard of because the yeah. risk is too high. Yes, right. So, I, you know, one thing I know that, that I've really beat on the drum is, is how important it is you know, to, you know, the perception of your company. I mean, you obviously you want to be, uh, you know, a, a company with decent authority and, and yeah. low risk, but I think it's really critical. Like on a scale from one to 10, you might be a seven as a company, but if we go to your website and it looks like amateur hour, you're only exactly. going to look like a four. Like Correct. you might have great numbers and you might have great, uh, yeah. you know, a great candidate for this proposal or for this proposal, um, or you might be, you know, your proposal might be really, really solid, but again, I, it's my belief. And I I wonder to what extent procurement officers will do some due diligence. Absolutely. So I have a scorecard. So I have a spreadsheet when we do a, um, uh, an RFP, I'll have a spreadsheet. So there might be six things, uh, that I'm scoring. So another tip for your, uh, your audience is if you get an RFP, and you think this is really in our sweet spot, it's really for us, we could really stand out and do this. If there's no criteria in that RFP about how they're gonna score the RFP, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd take a second look and go, maybe this isn't for us. Mm -hmm. Because if there's no criteria, how on earth are you going to know where you put the effort, where you put the weighting in your proposal? There should normally be three to five criteria in an RFP. And they'll tell you, you know, uh, there, are, there are three criteria. So there's risk, there's price, there's uh, quality of service. 
and we're going to give price on this one 50% mm. and quality of service 20% and risk 30%. So now you're like, okay, I've got to tick the boxes. And then there'll be a little section on risk about what that means. And due diligence is when you submit your RFP response, please send in with it your credit score from the credit rating agency that uh, you use because that's part of the risk. Because some government contracts, for example, um, if you're below a certain threshold of size, they won't buy from you because you're too small because the financial risk of failure is too high. Yeah. I spent years and years in public sector services, selling services to public sector. I, I don't sell to public sector these days. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love also is, is that what I find with, I mean, you know, I've been in the seat of being an entrepreneur. I mean, I've done all sorts of things in my career, Josh. I've raised £7 million of debt to buy companies. I've built companies up to £20 million of uh, turnover, 120 people. Um, and I've negotiated lots of deals. And the thing I love now, the kind of passion play of mine is this negotiation skills. You know, if you, one of the biggest success factors, so again, for your audience is, if you want to get better deals when you negotiate, the number one thing you can do, preparation. Hmm. If you walk into a deal with me and it's a meaningful deal and you think because you're brilliant on your feet, quick-witted, you think I can get this through with my natural wit, you will come off a lot worse than me. Because <laughs> you've done your homework. Because I've done my homework. <laughs> I prepared really well. Yeah. <laughs> and that in, interesting, that, that kind of comment as well about um, there's another big thing you can do. So preparation is number one. Always yeah. prepare. Um, number two is become emotionally detached from the outcome. Yes. So you recognize what that is. A lot of people might not. Yeah, well, you know, this is, you know, a great example from a consumer level, which my background with my other company is a consumer expert. I mean, it's, you know, take, for example, buying a car. I mean, if you go to a car lot and you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to have this car. Forget it. You're, you are, you are going to be so, you are going to pay, you're going to pay every dime of that car. And, and, so if you have the ability to just say, you know, again, it's, it's, what's, the, what's the sales saying? It's like, you know, the person who wants it more generally yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to lose yeah. in the negotiation. Um, yeah. I, I love that. In your so, eyes. I'll spot yeah, it be in willing. negotiation. I'll see it in your eyes. And yeah. I know then it's my deal, not yours. Mm. Cause you want it at any price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, again, be willing to, you know, look, I guess, you know, look, what about this? Um, can a, can a procurement director, the, the opposite of it would be um, where if I'm the, let's say that I provide services and I want to work with this company. And I wonder about the emotional sense that, you know, this is someone who, who really wants to do good for us. Like he has our needs seems way more important than him winning the deal or him or her winning the deal. Cause I, I think that's the mindset that I really try to focus on. It's like, sure. you know, I'm going to be taken care of. I'm not really worried about that, but 
What I want is I want to create an impact in the world. So this is an opportunity that I can work with this company. And I'm so excited about the potential of creating really great stuff together. Like I know, like if I'm, you know, focusing on like, where does my head need to be at? I think that that's where, where I would want to be. So perfect. So I think there's two things about that. So let's say, so, so pick a, uh, Pick a person inside the company that you'd be selling that to. So let's say, would it be the IT services person? Would it be HR? Who, who would be your kind of like the budget holder? Who would normally be your person you'd sell to? Who would it be? Yeah, a growth director. You know, so for example, like let's say, for example, it was a large, um, we work with some franchises. And so okay. our job is to help them find new uh, franchise partners. Franchisees. So, so generally growth directors. And our job is to, you know, what we do at Up My Influence is yeah, yeah. we fill their schedule with amazing potential, um, you know, new franchisee. Brilliant. So, um, so your job, I believe, and you know your job far better than me, <laughs> would be that passion play with the growth director is key. So the growth director has to see, I think, I believe, a couple of things. One, something very unique in what you do that is very hard to compare in the marketplace. So she can't find that elsewhere in the marketplace. And that's really important because I'll tell you that in a second. So they really buy into what you do. And that passion, that greater sense of purpose um, is critical. Because the next thing that happens, let, let's say the deal's worth half a million dollars, say. The next thing that happens is because it's half a million dollars of services that you'll provide to achieve that goal that the growth director wants, they've got to go to procurement because it's too big. They can't just appoint you. It's not possible, especially in the corporate world today. Yeah. When they come to me and I engage with you, Josh, as the owner, as you're the principal, I'm going to negotiate with you. I assume that job's been done with the growth director. So selling your passion to me, I'm like, it's all very interesting, Josh, but I assume that's been done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now what I need to know is we pay on 120-day payment terms on month end. So I assume you're okay with that. So let's park that for a second. Um, next thing is looking at your pricing. Um, yeah, I, I, um, it, it looks kind of like, it looks about 20% too high to me. So we'll pay you 400,000, not 500,000. Mm -hmm. So I get into immediately negotiating the deal structure and mm -hmm. the terms and everything else. Cause I assume that your job has been done with your stakeholder. Mm. The key thing now is if you're truly unique and I can't benchmark you in the marketplace. I can't find an alternative price because it doesn't exist because you've developed a bespoke service mm -hmm. for the growth director. And I start coming at you for a 20% reduction. Rightly, you'd go, but we're going to create for you $5 million of value. It's a 10 to 1 ROI. And it's a great deal. We know it's a great deal. And I'll get you, but I want 20% off. And you'd go, Mike, it sounds like there's two problems here, one of two problems. You're either trying to price chip me, name the game. I'm probably going to go, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to price chip you. Um, or you can say, it looks like, Mike, the budget's gone down from 500 to 400,000. Let me see what I can do to take some scope out of what we've agreed. Right. right. Let me see if I can reduce what we're going to do for you to get you going at the 400,000. Hmm. And I'm now stuck as a negotiator. I can't price benchmark you. You're not a commodity. Your stakeholder saying, we need to get this deal done because there's $5 million of value at risk. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm left with the problem of I want to get the price down, but I haven't really got a reference point apart from value. Yeah. And the value looks pretty good. Yeah. And that's how you start to engage great. with me. Um, I, looking at the clock, we're out of time. Uh, so listen, <laughs> Sorry, your website, um, you, have a, you, you have courses yeah. on, on this. Yeah. And could, could you explain just a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So two types of courses. I do online courses, which people can just buy online. Mm-hmm. And I do uh, programs where I uh, train companies, train their salespeople in negotiation mm-hmm. skills, insights to procurement, and one-on-one deal support, where you're doing a deal and you want to buy a pack of one-hour sessions with me to help mm-hmm. you think through the negotiation. That's what I do. And if people yeah, want more and- information, they can go to, um, there's a guide I've got. So Piscari, P-I-S-C-A-R-I.com mm-hmm. forward slash guide. Yeah. No, you have a lot of good content. You've got a lot of free stuff here as well. So um, pretty exciting stuff. So I appreciate this. Mike Lander, again, you're the CEO, owner, and founder of Piscari on the web at Piscari.com. This has been a a really, really enlightening conversation, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.